Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett with Hickory Ridge Community Church. We are located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. I tell people often we are the last church before you come to North Carolina. Why don't you come visit us Sunday at 9 o'clock or 11 o'clock? We are still doing drive-in church at 9 o'clock, inside worship at 11. I'd love to see you on Sunday morning. Either worship service is fine with me, and uh, just let me know you heard me on the radio. And I'm so glad that you tuned in. As a matter of fact, I got something I want to invite you to, okay? Now, the Sunday night before Thanksgiving, we generally do a big Thanksgiving dinner. However, uh, because of COVID, we cannot rent the Hickory High School this year. So this year, we're going to do something different. For the first 450 people that come by the Sunday night before Thanksgiving at 6 o'clock p.m., from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock, the first 400 people that pull into our parking lot will be given a free meal. Yes, a delicious barbecue meal uh, with all the sides and uh, dessert and drink, and uh, we're going to have a great time. Uh, So you got to be the first 450 people to get here on that Sunday night right before Thanksgiving, and hopefully in the year 2022, I will be back at Hickory High School. But for this year, we had to come up with a substitute. You know, we are well into November, and I love November because that's the month of Thanksgiving. And so as we look at Christmas and Thanksgiving and all the things that are happening, you know that Americans are more anxious now than ever before. As a matter of fact, I went to the doctor here, and uh, one of the questions that the practitioner asked me, are you anxious? And I said, well, no, am I supposed to be? And she says, yep, 70% of Americans are anxious. And I said, are you trying to tell me I'm out of the ordinary if I'm not anxious and I'm not stressed out? And uh, and she says, well, you're you're part of the minority. And so I want to talk to you today about how to defeat anxiety, okay? I'm going to give you seven ways to defeat anxiety. I'm going to give them to you real quick uh, in the broadcast today. And if you need help uh, going through this list and and, uh, if you need uh, the notes themselves, I'll be happy to send them to you. Just shoot me an email. And uh, my church email is ccorp at hrcc7.org. Let me give that to you a little bit slower. C. Corbett, C-C-O-R-B as in boy, I-T-T, at H-R-C-C, the number seven, dot O-R-G. Or you can call me at 252-267-2365. If it's easier for you to shoot me a text, uh, that'd be great. I'll reply to your text or leave me a voicemail if I don't pick up. I would love to hear from you. But let's talk about how we can overcome anxiety. Number one, replace anxiety with prayer, thanksgiving, and right thinking. Now that's a mouthful, isn't it? It comes right out of Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9. Don't be anxious about anything says Paul, but in everything by prayer, supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So that's what we do. We replace anxiety with prayer. Supplication is another form of praying. Thanksgiving, we give our request to God. And then the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. But let's not stop there. I said, you also have to replace anxiety with right thinking. Well, how in the world should I think? You know, an anxious person has a lot of thoughts running through their mind. And some of them are fear-based. Some of them are false-based. So Paul says, finally, brothers, think on these things. Number one, what is true? What is honorable? What is just? What is pure? What is lovely? What is commendable? If there's anything that is excellent... If there's anything that is worthy of praise, think about these things. 
And then Paul says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, then you got to practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. You know, our thoughts are habit forming. You get a particular thought pattern in your mind and you tend to repeat it over and over and over again. Well, if you can change your thoughts, you can change the process of your mind. Rick Warren said this, the more you pray, the less you panic. The more you worship, the less you worry. You'll feel more patient and less pressured. So if you want to defeat anxiety, number one, pray, give thanks, and think right. Number two, trust something bigger and receive God's full acceptance. Trust something bigger and receive God's full acceptance. Now, Jesus has given these words right smack dab in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you're going to eat or what you're going to drink, nor about your body. What you're going to put on? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at those birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they are? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? As a matter of fact, you might lose a couple of hours in your life if you're anxious. And why are you anxious about clothing? Jesus says, consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. So trust somebody bigger. Listen, God loves you so much. You can trust him not only with your everlasting life, but you can trust him with your daily life. Well, here's the third step. Believe you can overcome it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, and you know this verse, it's not a new verse to you. It's found in the book of Philippians 4, chapter 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, believe you can overcome it, but the emphasis on overcoming is through Christ. Now, so many people wrongly read this verse. They'll say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Now, that's not the right way to read it. You ought to read, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Put the emphasis on Christ strengthening you, believing that you can overcome it, not on your own strength, but through Christ. And then number three, or number four, rather, be humble. Yeah, be humble. That seems like uh, I don't belong in this list, right? I'm anxious, and it's causing me to be humble. No, your anxiety does not cause you to humble. You must humble yourselves. Yeah, that's what Peter said. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time, he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. You see, there's a difference between being humble and being humiliated. Sometimes we get humiliated because we're filled with anxiety and we do things we ought not to do or we back out of things that we ought not to back out of. The difference between humility and humiliation is humiliation is that we are forced to be sat down because we're embarrassed. To be humble is willingly setting yourself down, humbling yourselves, willingly under the mighty hand of God. So we've learned four things to help us with anxiety. Replace anxiety with prayer, thanksgiving, right thinking. Trust something bigger and receive God's full acceptance. Number three, believe that through Christ, you can indeed overcome anxiety. Number four, be humble. Now listen, if you are humble, you will never stumble. If you are humbling yourselves constantly under the mighty hand of God, at the right time, he will exalt you. And when he exalts you, you don't have to worry about falling down. 
If you exalt yourself, you better beware because the Bible is very clear that pride comes before a fall and a haughty spirit before destruction. Well, let's talk about number five. If you want to overcome anxiety, receive God's peace. John 14, 27. Jesus says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give it to you. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Receive God's peace. It's a free gift. Peace is not something that you can manufacture. Peace is not something that you can control. Peace is a gift that Jesus left with his disciples, and he leaves it with us. He says, my peace I give to you. I don't give the kind of peace that the world gives to you. The world's kind of peace is this. I will have circumstances that are calm, so I think I'm at peace. That's world's definition of peace. But God's definition of peace is a gift that is given to us that is bigger than our circumstances. That's why we can be at peace even in the midst of chaos. That's why we can be anxious-free, even though 70% of Americans are filled with anxiety. Listen, as a child of the king, you and I have been given the recipe to have peace and is found in Jesus Christ. Well, number six, remember who will never leave you. Joshua 1.9 is a powerful passage. You ought to memorize this one. Joshua is told by Moses to be strong and courageous. The Lord says, do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. Why? Because the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. You know, as a Christian, wherever I go, Jesus is with me. Now, that's good and that's bad, right? He's never going to leave me. So if I go to a place I ought not to go, Jesus is with me. If I go to a place where I should go, Jesus is with me. Now, won't you be mighty embarrassed if Jesus comes again and you're not where you're supposed to be? I want to remind you that wherever you go, Jesus is with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. We are told by Solomon in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 to trust the Lord with all of our hearts and not leaning on our own, on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge Him and He will make our paths straight. Oh, listen, as you trust the Lord, He straightens out that path for you. You know, a lot of times we're anxious because we don't know what to do. We don't know which road to turn on. Uh, we don't know what direction to take. But when you trust the Lord with all of your heart, He will make your path straight. It was old Abraham Lincoln who said many years ago, no man ever got lost walking on a straight road. When you trust the Lord with all of your heart, all of your understanding is leaning on Him, and all of your ways you're acknowledging Him, He makes you walk on that straight path. And then Jeremiah 29, 11, you know this verse. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for good, not for evil, to give you a future hope. Remember, God is with you. You know, I have this fear of flying. And, uh, and it's not that I'm afraid of crashing. I'm afraid of being trapped in that plane. And you think about an airplane. It's nothing more than a tube uh, with two wings on it that's sealed off on both ends. And that thing is flying at 30,000 uh, feet above the, the surface of the earth, flying six and 700 miles an hour, and you are stuck in that thing. You can't get out of that thing. When they slam those doors shut, uh, you're stuck in there until that plane lands and they open that door for you. You know what has helped me as I fly? I, don't, I, I try not to fly alone. I take somebody with me. And I tell people, you are going to be my partner as we fly. I remember two, not too long ago, uh, just before COVID, we had taken a missions trip. And we had flown from, from Norfolk to Chicago. And it's not a long flight, a couple-hour flight. And so one of our teenagers was going, and, and I says, Tyler, you are my partner. 
And I said, you're going to be next to me. And I had set up the seating chart. So I had Tyler right next to me. And uh, Tyler's a neat kid. He's in college now and uh, just a fine young man. And I says, you know, I don't like to fly. And so this is how I deal with my anxiety about flying. I have somebody who will be with me and they're never going to leave me, right? So I sat right next to Tyler and I talked the ears off Tyler for two hours as we made that flight to Chicago. By the time we got to that plane, I never saw a man roll out of a plane so fast. Tyler couldn't get off that plane fast enough, not because he was full of anxiety. He just wanted to get away from me. He said, that old chatterbox talked to me for a whole two hours. You know, that's what I do when I get anxious. I talk a lot. But I also remember that the Lord's never going to leave me, never going to forsake me. Number seven, last but not least, if you're battling anxiety, remember to live one day at a time. Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. For tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient is the day in its own trouble. You know, Corey Tin Boone said this about worry. Worry is carrying tomorrow's load with today's strength. Carrying two days at once. It is moving into tomorrow ahead of time. Worry doesn't empty tomorrow of its sorrows. It empties today of its strength. Live one day at a time. You know, I love the serenity prayer. We quoted this prayer not too long ago in one of our worship services. Every Sunday night, we have Celebrate Recovery. And by the way, I want to invite you to come to Celebrate Recovery every Sunday night at 6 o'clock at Hickory Ridge Community Church. Give me a call or shoot me a text if you want more information about Celebrate Recovery. My number is 252-267-2365. Shoot me a text and say, tell me more about Celebrate Recovery. And I'll reply and I'll get uh, Greg to get up with you. And we'll tell you all about Celebrate Recovery and how you can come and be set free from anxiety, from fear, from addiction. You know, it's all about getting released from the hurts, the habits, and the hangups that we all face. Well, here's a full version of the 1940s Serenity Prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change. Now, as I think of that word serenity, I think about that verse, Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So as we're praying, God, grant me that serenity. We're saying, God, give me the peace of God. Not as the world gives us the peace, but as you give me that peace so that I can have my heart guarded and my mind be centered on Jesus Christ. So God, give me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and the courage to change the things I can. Be still and know that I am God. Psalm 46.10 And as you're still and know that He is God, He gives you courage. Oh, I love that word courage. When a person gets discouraged, it's because they've lost their courage. We are told in Deuteronomy 31, verse number six, be strong, be courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be terrified of them. Why? Ah, because the Lord your God, he goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Young Timothy, he was afraid. And so Paul says, God hasn't given you that spirit of fear. God doesn't make us timid, but he gives us power and love and self-discipline. Oh, have that courage to change the things that you can. And then the next little phrase of that prayer says, and the wisdom to know the difference. Oh, Lord, give me that wisdom to know what I can change and know what I cannot change. You think about wisdom. Are you lacking wisdom today? Wisdom is a gift that is given to us by God. 
James says if you lack wisdom, just ask of God, and He's going to give it to you generously, and He's going to give it to you without finding fault. It will be given to you. The rest of the prayer says living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as a pathway to peace, taking as He did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that He will make all things right if I surrender to His will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with Him forever and ever in the next. Wow, what a powerful prayer that is. You know, as you look at life, it seems like some people are more successful at overcoming things than other people. It almost seems like God may play some favorites. Well, I want you to know there is principles that God gives us from His Word on how we can live a life of blessing. They're found in Psalm chapter 1. I want to read Psalm chapter number 1 and quickly give you these six principles of how to have a blessed life. The psalmist says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seats of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree that is planted by its streams of water that yields fruit in its season, and his leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Now the wicked are not so, but they are like that chaff, and the wind drives them away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord our God will be with us. Now as we think about these short little verses here, It says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Out of these short six verses, I see six principles of living a blessed life. If you're looking around and says, why is this person over here apparently blessed more than I am? They're doing six things, and they may not even be aware of it, but they are doing these six things. Number one, the blessed life is a life that does not fellowship with the wicked. Ah, the people you hang around is so important. I used to coach T-ball and I had a bunch of kids and they were a bunch of whiners. And I said, you know what? Whiners are not winners and winners are not whiners. If you hang around with a bunch of whiners, you're going to be a a whiner. Blessed are those who do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. So those who are blessed don't fellowship with the wicked. Now, that doesn't mean we, we don't try to reach them, but we're not gaining advice from them. We're not allowing their lives to impact our lives. We're not fellowshipping with them. Number two, the blessed life is the person who delights in the word of God. Now, notice I use that word delights. Too many people look at the word of God as this burden that I must read, right? I got to read the word. The pastor said I got to read the word, but they never take delight in it. And they look at it as this burden, this obligation to get into the word of God. Listen, if you have a heart to know God, you're going to have a heart to get in his word. And then you will actually delight in his word. Kind of like eating a good meal, right? Nobody has to tell me, hey, go enjoy this good meal. You know, it was just Clergy Appreciation Month, and and, uh, I got so many gift cards. It was such a wonderful thing. And uh, I got gift cards to Cracker Barrel, and I get gift cards to the Texas Roadhouse and a bunch of restaurants here uh, in the Hampton Roads area. And I want you to know, I delight in having a good meal. I enjoy going out with my wife and ordering a nice steak, have it medium rare with a baked potato, put some sour cream on there and some bacon bits and and throw some cheese on there and butter on there and salt and pepper. And I tell you what, that is a delight. 
delighting in a good meal. Well, do you have that delight for the Word of God? Ah, the Word of God is a lamp under our feet and a ladder under our path. If you want to have a blessed life, you're going to be one who delights in the Word of God. So those who are blessed don't fellowship with the wicked. They delight in the Word of God. Number three, they have a life that produces fruit. Now, don't miss this next little phrase, in its season. You know, it might be you're not in the right season to bear the fruit that you want to bear. You know, apples don't come out in May. No, apples come out in usually October, September. Their fruit is produced, but the fruit is in its season. It could be that God is preparing you to have that fruit, but you're not in the right season. So just be patient. Your day will come. I remember when we were at the Hickory Rorden Club, and it felt like it was going to be forever in that building. For seven long years, we set up tables and chairs and petitions, and we had to clean out the building, and we get there at six o'clock in the morning. And I says, is this ever going to end? Am I ever going to get out of the Rorden Club? Will we ever have our own church building so we can worship without having to tear down and set up every week? Well, you know what? God had fruit in its season. And our seventh anniversary, we were able to move into our beautiful worship center. Well, there's something else about the blessed life. The blessed life is a life of consistency. Oh, so many believers up and down and all over the time. And as a matter of fact, there's some people that live in our community here, and I just, I love them dearly. But every time I run, run into them, I have to ask them, well, well, where are you going to church now? Or who are you married to now? Or where are you living now? Because their life is so inconsistent. They're going from here to this to this job, to this spouse, to this church, to, to this area. And, and they're constantly up and down. And you never know where they are. They're inconsistent. Listen, a life of great faith is a life of great faithfulness. Well, number five, if you're going to be blessed, you got to stand for righteousness, even when you come under judgment. It says the wicked cannot stand in judgment. In other words, when the pressure comes, those who are wicked, when the judgment comes, that reveals their shortcomings. But those who are living a life of consistency, a life of righteousness, they can stand under scrutiny because their righteousness speaks on their behalf. Oh, these are wonderful principles, aren't they? If you want to have a blessed life, do not fellowship with the wicked. If you want to have a blessed life, take delight in the Word of God. If you want to have a blessed life, recognize that my fruit is going to be produced in its season. If you want to have a blessed life, live a life of consistency. If you want to have a blessed life, stand up for righteousness, because when judgment comes, if you're living with what we're standing, you can be under that judgment and you don't have to cave. But number six, this is probably the most important one. The blessed life is the life that knows the Lord and is known by the Lord. Verse number six, Psalm 1 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you today. I hope that we've given you some formulas to overcome anxiety within your life. I hope that you will take this anxiety, replace it with prayer and thanksgiving and right thinking. I hope that you're going to trust something that is bigger than yourself, that you will receive God's full acceptance of who you are and where you are. 
I hope that you will believe that you can overcome anxiety because you can indeed do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I pray that you'll humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. I pray that you will be a recipient of God's peace. And as Jesus says, this peace I give to you, that you receive that gift and your heart won't be troubled. I pray that you will remember all that God has given us and that you remember that he will never leave you nor forsake you. And then I hope that you take one day at a time, one day at a time. Well, I want to close out by reading that serenity prayer one more time for you. This serenity prayer, the full version. God, grant me the serenity. That's the peace. To accept the things I cannot change. God, give me the courage to change the things that I can. God, give me the wisdom to know the difference between these two. Lord, help me to live one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace. Now, don't you love that? Accepting hardship. That's a hard thing to do, isn't it? But that's how God teaches us peace. Because when hardships come our way, we don't trust that hardship. We trust the Prince of Peace. And that hardship oftentimes will drive us to the feet of Jesus. Taking as he did, taking as Jesus did, this sinful world, as it is, not as I would have it. There's so many things in our world that I wish I could change, but you know, there's so many things that are out of my control. Trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Thank you for listening. Give me a call, 252-267-2365. God bless you. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3220 South Battlefield Boulevard, Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. We would love for you to join us. For more information, you go to our website at www.hrcc7.org. No matter what you're going through, remember, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.